Everybody's got uh, got humor. <laughs> so, anyway, go ahead and pull out of your worship folders, um, your your sermon notes, and uh, for today. And uh, we're glad you're here. And today, uh, three we just talking about what a great miracle it was. And so it, it is an awesome thing. I mean, it was a God thing. Pull out your notes. We're talking about the four horses. We, we've been talking about, you know, whenever you're going through in the world what we're going through, people start thinking of the end times. And I know people have thought the end was here at different times, but but like when Hitler, everybody thought Hitler was Antichrist, Israel wasn't a nation at that point. But the end times started when Israel became a nation in 1948. And uh, and so the key to all this stuff is, is Israel. And uh, I believe rapture of the church could come soon, sooner than later. Uh, I don't know uh, when, and don't even care to guess. My job is to be ready, and to have each one of you ready. And uh, and so, uh, I don't know if the Antichrist is alive yet or not, but I know his spirit is in the world. I want to read a scripture uh, from 1 John 4. We read it last week. It said, this is how you recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. Mm-hmm. But every spirit that doesn't acknowledge Jesus is, is, is not from God. So if something is denying that Jesus is who he says he is, then that's the spirit of the Antichrist. That spirit is in the world. And that's what, what John is saying. is in the world today. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. Now, there is an actual person that will rise up from the Antichrist. And we're not, not going there today, but that person will rise up out of the old Roman Empire. So this is one of those European countries that Rome had conquered that was part of the old Roman Empire. That is where that uh, Antichrist is going to rise up. So we don't have to worry about American politics. They're not involved, all right? No, no president, former president, or any of those guys are going to be the Antichrist. So just go ahead and go... You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to listen to all the crazies on TV about that. And so we, we looked at, you know, when the time gets closer, there's gonna there's gonna become a time of tribulation. And the tribulation starts in, in uh, Revelation talking about the four horses. And last week we talked about them a little bit. I'm just gonna run through them. You can write them down. The first was the white horse, which is actually the Antichrist, that brings disruption and deception. How many of you would agree that that's kind of going on right now, right? We've got disruption of all kinds of stuff. If you go to the grocery store, there's a disruption of food on the shelf. If, you know, there's a, yeah, we, we looked for a new car for a year before the right one that we wanted came up because of, there's a disruption of chips that are coming in that they can put in these cars. And, uh, and so there's all kinds of deception going on. The red horse was the second horse, and that was... Uh, fear and violence. Would anybody disagree? It seems that violence is on the rise. I mean, you know, uh, the numbers and some things might be down, but stuff like rape, armed robbery, murder, carjacking are through the ceiling, especially in cities. And it's like somebody has taken restraint away, and everybody just believes, okay, nothing's going to happen to you, so I'm going, I'm just going to do this. And 
and uh, I like your car, I'm going to take it, you know. And so there's, there's, there's war going on all over the place, not just in Ukraine. You've got it going on in Yemen, you've got it going on in uh, uh, different parts of Africa where, where they call it ethnic cleansing, but it's for the most part Muslims killing Christians in those areas. And so you've got all this fear and violence going on. Then the black horse came out, and that record represents economic collapse. Think, think about it. You've got all this violence going on. You've got disruption and deception. You're going to have economic collapse instead of, uh, instead of loaf of bread for a day's wages. In other words, it's going to cost you a day's wage to eat uh, for that day. And uh, and so you're just working for food. And and, uh, and so that's economic collapse. We've got the highest inflation we've had in decades right now. And, and so, but this is nothing compared to what, what's going to happen. And uh, some countries have experienced it. Like Venezuela, their, their inflation just went off the charts, you know, a few years ago and, and stuff like that. And so economic collapse is going to be part of this. And then the pale horse is disease and death. The pale horse is disease and death. That makes sense. If you've had famine, if you've had hunger, if you've had war and death, you're going to have disease and death. And, uh, and so, but, but here's how I know we're not there yet. Because the Bible says it was given to the rider of this horse to kill one-fourth of the world's population. Now, COVID was bad, but it didn't kill one-fourth of the world's population. At the time when it occurred, the bubonic plague came close, but the population was much less. And so you're looking at 2 billion-plus people having to die Day uh, on this, on this. So we're not there yet, but but we've got a lot of disease and death going on, and uh, and so things are changing. I believe. I think as God's bringing this thing to the end, as He's preparing things for the end, things are changing. We keep talking about wanting things to go back to normal. They're not going back to the normal we knew. God is orchestrating things and bringing things, getting things ready. Uh, you know, uh, for the end time, and Jesus is going to come back. And uh, while people can be saved after the rapture of the church, we believe that people will be hunted down and, and killed after the rapture of the church. That, you know, that uh, you're going to have this great upswell of, of evil after the Holy Spirit is pulled. Just imagine, two billion Christians pulled out. And, uh, and so you'll, you'll have that. And, and so it's not going to go back to just normal. And then at some point, Jesus is going to come back. We'll meet him in the air and we'll come back and he'll conquer He'll put things into judgment. And uh, and so I believe Jesus is moving things towards his return. For instance, COVID, what COVID did over the last two years has got our world ready. Uh, if you'd have told me that we would have accepted governmental intervention in as many areas of our life as we've had the last two years, I would have laughed. And then it happened. Uh, you know, if you'd have said that that we would could possibly have a one world thing and everybody would do it, I would have laughed. And, and then it's pretty much happened where, every, you know, we, the, the COVID thing has gotten the world ready. It will never go back as far back as it was no. before that happened. So it's just steps getting things ready. The Russian invasion of the Ukraine is uniting the Gog and Magog alliance. We know that the Ukraine area is going to be part of the Gog and Magog alliance that comes against Israel. So will Iran be? So will Libya be? Uh, I think Egypt may be part of that, but there'll be there's about nine countries that come that unify against Israel before God steps in. So Russia is 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 a key part of that, and they're and they're coming down. And then what else has happened because of that? 
is you've seen a uniting of the European Union. That was about to fracture and go away, and now they're uniting back because they need to be together to defend themselves economically against what's going on with Russia. And so you've got countries that weren't part of that won't end. And here's the thing. The European Union consists of some of the countries in the Roman Empire. Some of the countries that are won't end now were part of the Roman Empire. And so Daniel, in Daniel you see the statue with ten toes. That's ten countries of the old Roman Empire that have to be united together for that part of the vision to be yeah, So all kinds of cool stuff's going on. Way more than I understand. And, uh, and so... I will tell you a good update to get. It's called Tipping Point from Jimmy Evans. Uh, that would be a good update you get on emails. You go to Google Tipping Point with Jimmy Evans, and, and you can sign up for his things. He's, he's very good for that. David Jeremiah is very good for that. And uh, and so, you know, all these things are coming. And, and, and so God tells Jeremiah, he said this, So Jeremiah, if you're worn out in this foot race with men, what makes you think you can run against the horses now? But basically what he's telling Jeremiah, he said, what well, he says in the next sentence, he said, if you can't keep your wits during the calm, what's going to happen when troubles break loose? And, and so think about it. If you're struggling now, what are we going to do when it gets tough? What are we going to do when, uh, when, when, when it really starts to happen? When, when God's brought this thing to a conclusion, when tough times hit? You know, right now in our country, we just get a little bit of a, uh, you know, Razzing or, or made fun of being a Christian. There are countries where Christians die for their faith, and uh, and so uh, and I was reading in Canada, of all places, you know, this pastor just got out of jail, been in jail for the whole COVID time, and uh, you know, and, and I never would have thought I would see those things happen. But God's telling Jeremiah, if you're worn out in a foot race with men, what makes you think you can race against the horses? And what we want to do is be ready, and let me tell you, you can run with the horses. You can run with them, and you can you can you can stay in, 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 uh, and be with that. So some of the uh, you know good passages that we've been sharing out of are First Thessalonians four and five, mostly in five. Five gives like a checklist, and we've been going through that. Uh, and so we want to look at that because I believe if we do these things that Paul talked about in Thessalonians, we can run with the horses. We'll be ready. So what do we need to do when all this stuff's going on? See, I can't control. What God's doing. I can't control when he's going to end this thing. I can't control what Russia does. I can't control anything other than what I do. And, and so I want us to, I believe when we do these things that Paul is talking about in Thessalonians 5, that we'll be able to do that. So the first we talked about last week was run with covering. And God's put different things in place for us to, to run. Covering, like parental covering if you're a child. Uh, you've got a covering at work. You've got a boss. Uh, you know, if you're the boss, you are the covering, you know, for your boys. And, and then uh, then we've got government as a, as a covering. We, You know, things like that are covering. You've got covering here in church and, and things. So we run with covering. But in other words, we're, we, as long as we're not stepping out of authorities that are over us, we're running with that covering. The second thing we talked about was run with ministry. And, uh, and, and so we, we talked about doing ministry. Let me just tell you today, I said it last week. But the biggest antidote to needing ministry done to you is to do ministry for others. When you start focusing on helping other people, your problems just seem smaller and tend to go away. The third was run with grace. This is where we talk about we're going to give people what they need and not what they deserve. I mean, sometimes people deserve the ugly eye, right, when they cut you off or, 
or people do something to harm you in a career or at work, they did they they deserve something. I mean, you know, uh, Chris Rock and Will Smith been all over everywhere, you know, and, and uh, Kathy and I have been kind of going, where's the condemnation of Chris Rock attacking his wife, uh, you know, who has a, a medical condition? Now, I don't condone Will Smith going up and slapping him, but, you know, uh, you know, Chris Rock probably should have been given some grace instead of instead of uh, a slap, and I'm, I'm sure Will Smith wishes he'd have thought that through. And, uh, and so, but we want to run with grace. We want to give people what they need. Would you agree that people are on edge probably need somebody to give them a break? We need to give. You know, when somebody offends us, we, we don't need to be a sore walking around looking for a place to bleed. I mean, we just we need to, to give people grace. And uh, and so that, that comes when we give them what they need, not what they deserve. The fourth thing we talked about was run with joy. And that's the joy of the Lord is my strength. There's not a lot of joy out in this world right now. But you know what? We can have joy no matter what's going on in our life, no matter what's going on out there, no matter what's going on at work, because the Lord is our joy. The strength of the Lord is our joy. This week we're going to start off, we're going to talk about uh, the next thing we need to do is run with prayer. Run with prayer. And if you want to memorize a verse, memorize this one, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Never stop praying. Three little words. Never Stop praying. When should I pray? All the time. When do I stop? Never stop praying. So it's just real easy to memorize that one, right? And, and why do we pray? A lot of people think prayer is getting God to do what they want Him to do. Prayer is me moving closer to God. Right. Me moving toward God. That's what prayer is. See, it aligns me with the Lord. Yes. The Lord's got, got things going on, and it gets me closer to Him. Yes. And so we need to be praying. Listen, if you only pray when you're in trouble... You're in trouble. Yeah, you're in trouble. All right. You only pray when you're in trouble. You're in trouble. And uh, and so we don't ever want to stop praying. Jesus did this. Look at Mark 135. It says, before daybreak. If you're not a morning person, you're like me. You're going, why did he always put in before daybreak? Before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place. Some of y'all. Especially for small kids, you don't get up before them. You don't have an isolated time, right. right? And uh, and so uh, you know. And then on the other end, when we're taking care of elderly parents, if we don't get up before they do, we don't have an isolated time. So before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up, went to an isolated place. Listen, we've got to get into our morning devotions. That first fifteen, that the. the the devotional book we have has got a reading plan for the scriptures. It's got very practical. Some of the best and most practical devotionals I've ever yeah. seen are in the little book we have. They're free for you. Uh, you know, you can take them. You can give them to family members. You can take a couple to work or whatever. But we need to spend that time with the Lord. Let me tell you something. If, if you'll get up in the morning and start that time off, uh, you'll be amazed. You know, people, I like to say, I've heard it for years All's well that ends well. Anybody ever said that? You know, but that's really not true. All's well that begins well. You want to have a good day? Start it right. Start it off. And, and the easy way to do it is the first 15. Gil showed me an out a few years ago. It's called the first 15 out. But, but you just spend five minutes in prayer. Five minutes in worship. Five minutes in prayer. Amen. Everybody has 15 minutes. And so start off uh, doing that. Write this down. Prayer is the difference 
between the best I can do and the best God can do. Amen. That's what prayer is. You see, I can try and try and try. But when I get God involved, that's when good stuff happens. That's, that's when good stuff happens. When God is involved, it, it hooks you up to the power source that we're going to need to run with the horses. That we're going to need to deal with the things that happen in our lives on a daily basis. And so uh, we want to we wanna pray. Number six, the next one, one of my favorites, is run with gratitude. Amen. Run with gratitude. There's always something to be thankful for. Yeah. There's always something to be thankful for. I mean, if you think about it, uh, it, 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 Paul said be thankful in all circumstances. He didn't say be thankful for circumstances. You're not thankful for the car wreck. You're not thankful for the heart attack. You're not thankful for the cancer. You're thankful in those times. And you, there's always something to be thankful for, for this is God's will. You know, as I was looking at the video, the bounce house going up in the air. It, it goes up, and it comes back down, and that's where she fell out. Thank God she didn't fall out up here. Yeah. You know, thank God that I caught a red light, and the wreck was a few blocks ahead. Or whatever it is that, that God is doing, you, you want to, we, we can always be thankful. We can always be thankful. Yes, I need a new roof after Hurricane Ida, but I'm thankful it didn't leak. I had a roof, you know. Uh, you know, uh, when the tornadoes came through, uh, Steve and Chrissy's house was hit. We're all thankful that they had a roof left on it, even though it had to have a tarp that's going to get replaced. Uh, that's when you're thankful for insurance, right? And sometime in the next five years, they'll get the money for that. You know, and, uh, you know, I just got my money from my roof finally. You know, uh, you know. But you, we can always be thankful for something, you know. So, uh, you, you know, so the stores close earlier. It just means you get to go home earlier, mm-hmm. hang out with your family. Uh, you know, when we were locked down, oh man, I can't go to work. And after about a week of it, everybody's going, oh, this is pretty good. It's <laughs> and then you know, it's always something we can be thankful for. Write this down. What I have is more than enough. Amen. What I have is more than enough. I was thinking about my mama the other day. So we have a picture of her. And uh, she went through some difficult times. She was, her dad had about seven or eight kids from his first wife, and then she died in childbirth. And then she had, a, yeah, he married my mother's mother. You had, I think mama was eight out of nine, something like that. And then he died, and she died, her mom died when mama was about a year and a half, two years old, in childbirth for my aunt, uh, Frances, my mama's younger sister. And then she had a stepmother and a bunch of other stepsisters. And so if you count them all, they're in the 20s, something like that. But, but, but they, had, they had a tough time. And when she was a teenager, her dad died. Or her stepmother put her and her younger sister out. Now, I never knew this until I was an adult, you know. But my mother never once said anything bad about the one I knew as Granny Pearl. That put her out. She said, well, they didn't have food stamps or anything like that. She had to feed her own kids, so... They went to live with older siblings, you know, and uh, and stuff like that. She never complained. When her and my dad's business, they owned a charcoal company uh, that made great charcoal. Piggly Wiggly sold it. And uh, and they, they did this charcoal. You didn't even have to put charcoal lighter on it. It would light up. And it was good stuff. And uh, and when lightning struck that plant, it lit up. Believe me, burning the plant to the ground. It took him a year to get it back online. And and, uh, and during that year, with no income coming in, um, Kept giving to the church. They kept giving to their church, and uh, and and they were grateful for what they had. And uh, and just a side note, 
My mother always loved Piggly Wiggly. She would drive past when Dixie Kroger, Walmart, Grocery, everything to Piggly Wiggly because after my dad rebuilt the plant, that was the only store that put his charcoal back in the, in the store. They should have done a commercial with her before she died. You're talking about brand loyalty. My mother had brand loyalty to Piggly Wiggly. But, you know, she was never unhappy with what she had. That's, that's the thing. When we have gratitude for what we have, we're not whining and crying about what we don't have. We're not, we're not dragging, we're running the race, and we're running with the horses. But we've got a gratitude, an attitude of gratitude. Number seven is we need to run with discernment. We need to run with discernment. What do I mean? It means I'm going to see things differently than what it seems. You know, I, I'm not going to take things at face value. I'm going to discern the meaning of it. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, he said, Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't scoff at prophecies. And, and, and so prophecy, you know, uh, the, the Holy Spirit, you need to understand, the Holy Spirit's the part of the Godhead that's here. Jesus is in heaven sitting at the right hand of the, God, of the Father. He left his spirit here. He said, I'm going to send one just like me to, to be in you and, and with you. And so the Holy Spirit's here. And prophecies kind of tell us what's really happening. And I just told you about the two prophetic accelerants with the COVID and the, and the Russia war. Well, you know, how many of you have ever flown in an airplane? If you fly to New Orleans, it seems like where they put the new airport, there's a permanent cloud over it. And uh, every time I've flown out of it, it's a rough, bumpy ride. And, and so they tell you, you know, when the guy comes on and he says, ladies and gentlemen, you need to buckle up. Right? It's going to be a rough takeoff. You see the rain out there, the gray skies and everything. I remember we gave the pilot an ovation when we landed in Nashville one time. But, you know, and, and, and you take off and that thing, you're going, this is not going to be fun. So for me... That's a two-dramamine flight. And, uh, and, you know, so you're ready to take off, and that thing's bouncing around. And then all of a sudden, it breaks off into the sky, and it's beautiful. And it's smooth. And, and, uh, and, and, and you go, man, uh, this is nice. And here's the key. Here's the key I want you to think about. The sunshine and smooth air was always there. Yeah. We just saw the clouds. That's right. Folks, let me tell you something. You might be seeing the clouds right now, but God's working on the other side of those clouds. Mm -hmm. God's working on the other side of those clouds. The sermon says, I see the clouds, but I know God's up to something. I know there's sunshine somewhere. I know all I see right now is the problems, but God's at work in those problems. Lord, what are you up to? I mean, you might see the look at the news, and all you see is war and, and political craziness and all kinds of stuff. But the sermon says, God is doing something. And he's going to bring us and all of us to the place where he wants us to be. I mean, if you think about it, the last 40 years have been pretty chaotic. You know, as you, as you think about it, and, and I want to tell you, during all that chaos, during all that time where we take God out of schools, or, or so we say, let me tell you, I've been in school when something bad happened and they're praying, even though officially it's not there. But, but you know, all this 40 years where it seems like it's been very chaotic, 1.6 billion people have come to faith in Christ. That's more than came to faith in Christ the previous 1,981 years in the last 40 years. And, and so we know there's going to be a revival at the end. What, what, what's happening? People are becoming more and more uh, susceptible to the gospel. In Iran, where you die from becoming a Christian, that's record numbers of people coming to faith in Christ. In China, where they put you in a concentration camp, and re-educate you, more and more people are coming to faith in Christ. 
And, and so that's, that's happening. People are receptive more than every year. And Jesus said this in Luke 21, 28. He said, when these things begin to take place. Now, the things he's talking about were wars, rumors of wars, floods, earthquakes, wind events, economic collapse, everything bad. If you read uh, Luke chapter 21 before verse 28, everything he's talking about is bad. Something bad is going to happen. He said, when he's, he didn't say go run and hide. He didn't say get fearful. He said, stand up, lift up your head, and look up to the sky because your Redeemer is on his way. Your redemption is drawing near. He doesn't say for us to hide. We need to be looking up, not around. We need to be looking up, not hiding. We need to be looking up at, at the Lord and what is the Lord done doing. He didn't say to run and hide. He didn't say to get bashful. He said to stand up. So write this down. Go through life looking up, not around. We need to look up. God's up to something. He's always up to something. And if we'll just look for what he's doing and where he's working, he will show us what it is. And we can be a witness to that. Eighth thing is run with wisdom. Now, knowledge is knowing something. Wisdom's kind of knowing what to do with it, all right? You know, wisdom's applying that knowledge. You know, wisdom is, a, is the ability to apply or do the right things in difficult situations. Paul said to test everything that is said, or test the spirits. Sometimes test everything that's said. Hold on to what's good and stay away from every kind of evil. So you might hear somebody say something good, and something they say is not exactly right. Throw that out. Don't throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. You know, he said, hold on to what's good, but test the spirits. Part of what we've got to do to gain wisdom is to slow down. Walk and fear the Lord. See, we, in the 70s, we had the Jesus 70s. I grew up in that. And, and Jesus is my best friend, and we're sitting there playing guitars and singing and, and all that. We all had different color hair back then and stuff, you know. And, and all this is going on, and we got away from fear of the Lord. Now, it's not talking about being afraid of somebody like you would be afraid of an evil person. The fear of the Lord is a healthy respect of the Lord because He is the all powerful, omnipotent, holy God. But he died on the cross. He loves us so much. He died on the cross and paid the price for our sin. But he's also so holy that he kicked Adam out of the garden. <laughs> you know, for sin. And so we've got to we've got to have this healthy fear of the Lord. Look what it says. The fear of the Lord, the respect of God is the beginning of wisdom. Yes, Jesus is my best friend. Yes, Jesus let him beat him up and hang him on the cross. Jesus could have spoken and killed that whole army. The Bible said he could have called 10,000 angels. Just imagine in heaven the angels are sitting there waiting. God, let us go get him. Let us go get him. And, and one angel in the Old Testament killed 386,000 soldiers. <clears throat> Think of what 10,000 angels would do. So he could have done that, but he didn't. You know, but he's that powerful. He spoke in the world existed. He, he spoke and breathed life into us. I mean, it's an awesome thing. So we've got to have that wisdom. Write this down. Knowledge is horizontal, but wisdom is vertical. It comes down from above. We get our wisdom from God. We get that wisdom from that first 15 you spend with him every day, from, from reading the word, from spending that time in prayer. And, uh, and so I challenge you, do that first 15. 
Some of you doing 15, 15, and 15. Some of y'all doing 30, 30, and 30. I don't care how long. Let's start with the first 15, 5, 5, and 5. Spend five minutes in the Word of God. Spend five minutes in prayer. Five minutes in praise and worship. That's just one song. Well, again, you don't have the first 15 now, get it. Or, or just get your favorite worship song and sing along. You know, and uh, you probably shouldn't sing along at work. But, uh, you know, but anyway, you... You, you do that, and you end that with worship. You just see if your day getting better. The ninth one is run with vision. Run with vision. See, ministry, run with ministry is about helping others. Run with vision is about you. It's, it's about you knowing God's vision for your life. And, uh, and, and so for me, it's like the calling, you know, that I know that God has for me to be here. Let me tell you, there, have there been times I wanted to quit and do something else? Every Monday. There's probably been times other people wished I would quit and go do something else. I mean, you know, but but I know what the calling God has on my life. And uh, and so Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, he said, Now may the God of peace make you holy. That's set apart in every way. May the God of peace, who makes us holy? God, the God of peace. Right here. He's right here. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus comes again. God will make this happen. He who calls you is faithful. See, he has set us apart, each one of us, because he's got a calling on every one of us. He's called us to be his ministry. And blameless, when he, listen, when he's talking about being blameless there, too often in a Facebook world, we post something and if 5,000 people don't like it, we get all the press. You need to live for an audience of one. You need to live for an audience of one. Jesus is my audience. Jesus is my audience. It doesn't matter what anybody on Facebook thinks about me. It doesn't matter really what you think about me. It matters what you think. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that disrespect or any lack of love, but we need to live for an audience of one. We live for that audience of one. That's what blameless is. We want to live for what God wants us to do. God's the one who's called us. He has called you to be here today. He's called you into a relationship with him. He has called you, and he wants to use you in your family, your friends, and, uh, and, and to bring them to him. Write this down. We don't just need something to live on. We need something to live for. God has called us. When you, when you get that vision in your life of what God wants you to do, you can run. It's all your value. You may be here today, maybe you've never experienced the God of peace. Maybe you don't know if, if uh, one of the Russian missiles hit the field. We were blown to smithereens. You don't know for sure you know Listen, I don't believe Jesus died on the cross, so you can wonder about it. Jesus was. And having a relationship with him is not about having a bunch of rules. Having a relationship with Jesus is a relationship. It's not about a relationship. I believe Jesus, when he walked on this earth, had a sense of humor. I believe Jesus, when he, he interacted with us today, he still has a sense of humor. May let's dig it up here and preach. But you know what? He loves you. 
pay the price for your sin. All he asks, the same thing he asked Peter and Andrew and all those guys he said, that come follow him. He just wants us to follow him. That doesn't mean that we're quitting our jobs and walking around in sandals in a row. He wants you to follow him in your business. He wants you to follow him at your jobs. He wants you to follow him in your lives. As best you can. So if you're not sure that you have that relationship with Jesus, I just want you to pray a prayer silently with me today. Because here's what I know. That relationship changed my life for the better. That relationship, have I always been perfect? Have I ever been distressed? Absolutely. I've never been perfect. But Jesus has always brought me through it. He's, he's held my hand. He's put his arm around me sometimes. When it's been difficult, he's picked me up out of the dirt. When it's, when it's been that way, he's laughing with me when it's been good. It's a relationship. I want you to have that relationship. So I want you to pray with me, dear God. I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I need you as my Savior. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Best I can from this day on, God. I'm living for all of you. Jesus, give me the power of your spirit that you left here for me. Fill me with your spirit and let me have the power to live for you every single day. Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You prayed that prayer. I believe that God has entered your life. That God has, has saved you. He's forgiven you of your sin. And now, just like a little baby, has got to grow up and and uh, get stronger and grow into adulthood. We've got to spiritually begin to grow. So, if you'll mark on your connection card or if you'll. Facebook message me that you prayed for Seed Christ. I can pray for you. Uh, we'll try to help you grow as best we can. We've got the groups going on. That will help you grow. And uh, so it's time to, to step out and get into the Word. And start with that first 15 this week. Say, God, I don't know you very well. Start today. I'm going to least. Father, I pray for each person here today. I pray, God, this little two-week series has helped us to maybe put some things in perspective that are going on. And, Lord, we don't have to worry about what's going on because we know where it's headed. And it, it involves us going to heaven. So, Lord, I pray for those who pray to receive you and those who already have, God, that you would have us ready. That, Lord, when you come back and you call us up into the sky, what we call the rapture, Lord, we'll have as many of our loved ones as possible to go with us. So, Lord, we thank you for that. So, Lord, we love you today. Lord, we thank you that you've saved us. We thank you for the miracles you do in our everyday lives. We're just intervening. 